You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what is up, good people? We've got another one for you here. I'm super, super stoked about this one. This one was so much fun. Mario and I met digitally via the internet because he shared something that I thought was really cool, and I reshared it, and now here we are. I talk about that with him in the beginning of this episode, but I wanted to give a quick plug real quick. If you've ever considered supporting the show via Patreon and you're looking to get those spicy extra episodes... This week is a very good week to do that. Mario and I allegedly, allegedly, of course, this is all alleged and may or may not have happened, share some stories from our youth that are uh, somewhat colorful. And I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to them and also get a kick out of them. Again, it's all alleged. We definitely share some stories, but they are alleged tales of some, you know, hooliganism from our youth. And so if you've been thinking about doing that, this week is a good week to do it. You can go to patreon.com slash tone mob. And for as little as five bucks a month, you'll get extra episodes beamed to your ears every week. And this week is especially spicy in my opinion. So without further ado, let's get into this podcast with Mario Miner from Minor Glitch Electronics. This is a fantastic one. Enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Mario Miner from Minor Glitch Electronics. What's going on, dude? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good, man. Just hanging out. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, this is always fun. It's always fun to see the weird ways that the internet brings us together. You know, I saw your build of uh, a pretty unique lap steel guitar situation uh, oh, yeah. i had to share it so i shared it we started talking i was like gotta get this guy on the podcast and then here we are yeah dude i appreciate that man that was uh that was definitely one of the most challenging uh builds i've had in quite a while um yeah <laughs> i had a buddy of mine like contact me probably like uh goodness a couple months ago and we just started like spitballing ideas and he whipped out that uh that that ammo crate and um yeah that's that's what we came up with and yeah it, it was a fun build for sure why don't you tell everybody what it is for those that may have not seen the video um what it is it's a uh amp slash like lap steel like combo thing kind of playing off like those old like uh silver tone like tube amp guitar combos where the case is your amp and but this is uh kind of different in a way because the, <laughs> the, the the 
the lid of the actual case is your lap steel. So you basically just take off the lid and you can set that on, you know, set that on your lap and it's bat the amp is battery powered. So you can be anywhere and you just jam out and uh, you just plug into the, the, the actual body of the case, I guess. And, um, yeah, just jam out, but it's basically made out of, uh, just junk I had laying around my shop and some of this stuff I've, I've had laying around for years and years and years. And, um, uh, yeah, just put it all together and just, um, came up with some weird, crazy instrument. Like the, the, the bridge is made out of a door hinge and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, if you, if you look into it, yeah, it's made out of a door hinge. And then the part where the strings like sit on, I guess, like the, the saddle is, um, made out of bone. And then the the nut is a um, is a bolt that I pressed into a railroad spike that I had to also had to chop up a little bit. And um, what else? The the pickup itself is a Bic cigarette lighter that a guy made for me. Uh, his name is Ryan Ruckavina. He's a, another builder out of uh, Missoula. Montana. He has a company called uh, Ruckavina Guitars. Super cool guy, super talented fella. He knows what he's doing and he's a smart cat. But um, what else is on that guitar? Uh, just other like junk parts from other guitars that I've had just laying around the shop. The fretboard is made out of uh, a Brazilian. Uh, what is it? Brazilian rosewood, I believe. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I got that from like a rummage sale probably like two years ago from a guy that makes like these, uh, what was he doing? He was making birdhouses out of exotic woods. So basically like these bird mansions, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, he posted up like on uh, Facebook somewhere and I saw it. And, you know, I saw the price of what he was, you know, for what he was selling. He was selling like that Brazilian rosewood, some purple heart, some yellow heart, all for like super cheap. So I just basically didn't say anything, grabbed my keys, hauled booty out the door and went straight over to this guy's house and just bought out all of this crazy exotic wood at like dirt cheap. And, um, but yeah, the, the fretboard is made out of uh, Brazilian rose, yeah, Brazilian rosewood. And for the inlays for that, I, I used uh, Colt 45 shells that I got from another buddy of mine. And uh, let's see, the amp part of the build was um, basically just like a half watt battery powered amp. And some of the parts uh, were taken from the guy oh, the guy who gave me the the box he also gave me like all these like meters and gauges because mm-hmm. i guess his dad, his grandpa used to be uh a tv repairman from like back in the day you know he used to repair like these like old like tube tvs and he gave me all these like meters that were broken and stuff and what i wound up doing was actually incorporating that into the amp section not too many people know that because like that's not shown like on the video but yeah, I was able to incorporate some of his grand, you know, his own family's stuff into his build as well. 
So so cool. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> yeah, and what kind of ammo can was it again? It wasn't like a regular ammo can. It was something crazy. Oh, oh, oh yeah, it was a uh, uh, seventy-five millimeter. Um, oh goodness, ammo for like a recoilless rifle. It's um, they used it for. Um, or they use those for setting off avalanches like Whoa. here. Like, yeah. Like around here. And it's like a, it's like this tri, like this massive, like tripod, like, you know, gun looking thing, a gun, I guess. And, um, yeah, they, they shoot them up on the mountains and just like trigger avalanches and stuff like that. And yeah. Like controlled but, ones. So they don't get out of control. Right. That's the idea. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, each box, I guess, only carries like two of the shells for those. So those things are massive, man. Yeah. For those that haven't seen it, you can see it over on either of our Instagram pages, but probably easier on yours. But it's it's big. Like it's a big box. It's like a I mean, it's like a guitar case. Like so you can imagine a couple bullets that would fit in a guitar case. That's (laughs) (laughs) it's not messing around. Serious stuff. That's crazy, man. So how did you get started doing all this? You you obviously you build pedals, you have some other amps you've done. Uh how did you get started, you know, messing around with music stuff? Um in the beginning, it was uh well, I was going to school for uh I was in college and I was going to school for uh psychology. And I was kind of like procrastinating. I was writing a paper. And I was like procrastinating. The paper was due like the next day or something. And uh, my wife was like cleaning our little study area. And I was just, you know, I I had a writer's block and everything. And here I was just like spinning around in our office chair. And I had like a little practice amp sitting next to a 50 caliber ammo can. And I was just sitting there and all of a sudden the idea, you know, a thought came to mind. I was like, man, wouldn't that be cool if you can like put that, you know, the guts of that, this practice amp into this ammo can, you know, and I just like, it just, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I, I stayed up like pretty much and like late into the night, just, just constantly thinking about how I can create this. So I got online and I looked up like diagrams and schematics. And at that time, I, I had no clue what any of those things were. You know, I, I, I had very little knowledge. I didn't even know how to solder, really. And uh, just through trial and error, came through and found um, like a little little uh, amp circuit, uh, LM, uh, what was it? LM386 like amp circuit and uh, was able to cobble things together and i think my first amp that i built took me honest to god like like two months just because i didn't know a single thing i was ordering like piece for piece and uh learning how to solder and it came to the time where i finally put my first amp together and i turned on the flip the switch and it didn't work <laughs> Yeah, and, I know that uh, feeling. <laughs> dude, yeah, it's 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 heartbreaking and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know. And after a while, you know, I was just like, ah, this ain't for me, you know. And I just kind of put it down for like a week. But yeah, I just it just I just like, man, 
I got, I got to figure it out. And I came back together and I, um, I guess I just put like a, one of the leads of the resistors, like in the wrong spot. And so just like one quick fix and here, my amps uh, fired up and everything. And yeah, that's kind of how it started off and just tinkering, you know, and I've had that 50 cal like ammo can for a number of years, just packing it around, you know, just for, uh, like decoration really, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my dad always had one in our trailer growing up. I'm pretty sure he still does have it, like the one we would take hunting and stuff. And uh, it was where, like, that was the first time I ever saw an ammo can in, not in like a military surplus store or something. And it was, he used it to hold all his wrenches. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> people yeah. use them for all kinds of different things, these 50 cal ammo cans. It's, it's funny that, that they're so common. Like you can, they're not, not hard to find. They're easy to find. I know, dude. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. There was like a point like a couple of years ago where I'd go to like, you know, pawn shops and stuff and um, you can find it. But then I found then I started discovering that I was buying all of these pawn shops out of their ammo cans. And then uh, after a while, I um, found out that I can buy them uh, at a little bit less of a price, but they were like blank. You know, they didn't actually say like 50 cal or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I. And I really liked, you know, the, the lettering and the words and stuff like that, you know, on there. And so that's when I really started trying to figure out like how to screen print because I, I had no background in screen printing or anything like that either. So <clears throat> just looking up uh, YouTube videos and like Google, you know, anything about screen printing and finally was able to figure it out now. I can just, you know, that's what that's what I do now is I screen print all of my ammo cans. But every once in a while, I have somebody like come by and like give me a few ammo cans. And like some of them like have like old like rusty nails or like fishing tackle stuff or, you know, tools and stuff like that in them. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy what people use them for. That is very interesting. Like it's just a another weird way of expressing ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can tell a lot uh, about somebody by what they put in their ammo cans i guess huh? that's right <laughs> <laughs> it's not do you have ammo cans it's what do you put in yours <laughs> you put in bad boys <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's kind of funny they've even made like n new versions of the classic ammo can that are like plastic and like yeah. waterproof it's yeah. like this this weird little design that was made for one purpose has been re reimagined in a million different ways. Just about any yep. any way you can think of. It's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, so, I've seen some of the uh, plastic ones, but yeah, I don't I don't care to work with those. You know, because I don't no, know. No, not for what you're doing. The yeah, they don't carry the same aesthetic. You know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Mm hmm. So I'm assuming that you were a musician first, though. Like you, you play guitar. I, I hate to assume that about everybody because then I've heard people be like, "Oh, I, I actually no, I don't play guitar. I'm a drummer." And it's just like, "Oh, well, uh, that's different." I know, but, dude. It's wild. Uh, like learning from like other like people, like uh, the 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 dude that started Mesa Boogie. Like mm -hmm. I think he was like a keyboard player or something like that. 
but um yeah yeah i play guitar uh i've been i played in a um, bunch of different like punk and like rock and roll bands throughout the years and um yeah i I bought my first uh electric guitar here in bozeman back in like 2005 because prior to that i was just a bass I, i was a bass player you know and then i came after i graduated high school uh, we, you know, came to visit uh, my brother, who uh, uh, was living here at the time, and he took me. Or my parents took me down to uh, this music shop downtown called Music Villa, mm-hmm. and that's where I got my first uh, electric guitar. Music Villa is still there, and man, there that, that's like one of the best music shops that I've ever come across, like in the Pacific Northwest, hands down. <laughs> We've got some good ones around. In uh, this neck of the woods, I I've, I haven't yeah. never uh, explored Montana. I've been there. I was there as a kid. We went and did uh, this whole dude ranch thing in Wyoming and Montana, and <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But like, I wasn't old enough to really, you know, think about the differences between towns and things like that. I was just like, I'm here to pretend to be a cowboy. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we still got that, uh, oh, you know, Wild West uh, aesthetic, you know, that Wild West vibe to us over here, you know. <laughs> it seems like a place I would enjoy spending more time. I've just never, never really thought about it all that much. I actually, uh, I had a mutual friend of ours, Hank from Rattlesnake Cables, came on years ago, and he was like, he was, he was like, man, you know, we actually have a good music scene here in Missoula. I'm like, you do? Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Hank is awesome, man. I love Hank. I was actually just chit-chatting with him probably like, goodness, probably last week sometime. And we're always, you know, talking. He's kind of like, he's kind of like my mentor. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. such an intelligent dude, you know, and being able to you know, calling my friend is, uh, dude, it, it, it's great. <laughs> yeah, Hank, Hank rules. He's awesome, dude, for sure. Yeah. yeah. His cables too, man, top notch. That's that's all That's all I rock these days. I got a couple of them here myself. It's good stuff. Oh, you he was do? The, yeah, he, well, he was one of the first uh, people to sponsor the podcast way back in the day, which was very unkind oh, of him. Awesome. So, yeah, he's 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 a good good guy we go we go back a little ways not not probably as tightly as you guys do but yeah he was he yeah, was yeah. a supporter of the show early on and he was one of the an early guest i think he was the first guest that i had that used an android phone and that was an interesting <laughs> thing we had to overcome <laughs> yeah yeah well cuz yeah, some dude. a lot of the listeners will know like this is this show has been around for a while and in the early days i I was using this this app that we use to record has an interface. The reason I started with it is because it has a, a app on the phone where you can record yeah. podcast on the phone. And that was the only way I could do it because I was literally recording at work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like run off to the laboratory and record a podcast. And I I could only use my phone, and everyone I had ran into used and or used a iPhone, and it worked just fine. And Hank was nice. the first one to use an Android on me, and it it didn't work fine. Uh, not not because of the Android. I don't think it was just like it was just a, one of the weird like an early stage of the app where it would just like was like ah, I don't know what to do with this. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I love I love this thing. Without this app, it's not perfect. It definitely has issues, and people have heard it have audio issues and things here and there yeah. over the years. But it uh, show wouldn't exist without it. So yeah. I'm real really happy it exists, especially right yeah. now. When- I'm definitely uh, new to the iPhone family because I was an Android cat for uh, goodness gracious up until probably like a year ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm I'm still getting used to all of this stuff, and I, I have this MacBook Pro, but I don't even know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you're able to get on the podcast, so that's all that matters, right? Yeah, well, I had my wife uh, setting up all of this stuff last night. She knows how to do all of this stuff. She actually, she's like, okay, he's probably going to send you an invite or something. So you're signed already signed into your email. Use this email, and then you're ready to go. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, she was 100% correct. That is exactly yeah, what happened. <laughs> she's a smart lady. I'm going to say that one more time. She is a smart lady. <laughs> Shout out to your wife. I don't know her name. So. <laughs> Twilight, Twilight, we, we're talking about you in good graces, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the wives out there. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I couldn't do I couldn't do any of this without my wife. So thanks, Lynn. Thanks for all your help. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah, Lynn, that's awesome, man. Yeah. One of these days, she might actually come on the podcast. We'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm in the I'm in this weird flux state with the show. So like. I recently redid the the description because, yeah. you know, if you looked at the old description, you would really think that you were getting into a show that was going to be like getting into the nitty gritty of different resistor values, changing the sound oh, yeah. in some way. And it was it's it hasn't been that really ever. You know, it never has been. And so it's really just about the people and and what they're into and, you know guitars are like the centering point you know and we might talk about them the whole episode we might not talk about them at all and yeah so i've been in this really weird i i redid the description to kind of make it more accurate but lately i've been considering doing a completely different podcast where it's not just guitar people that i'm talking to because right Uh now it's like guitarists and bassists or people who are involved in making equipment for guitars and bassists and I've really been interested in people who just live life a different way than oh, yeah. most people do. You know, like I, they just they maybe they are live in a tiny house or maybe they are a journalist or, or you know, or maybe they are a power lifter or maybe, you know, insert whatever. Some people who just do things a little differently than than the norm. And I'm like, maybe I can make a podcast about that because I find all that to be really fascinating, too. I'd be down to listen. <laughs> well, we'll see. Now that I put it out there into the the podcast ether, the listeners can tell me if they care about that or not. But we will see. It's it's been on my mind a lot lately. I'm, I'm probably gonna try it just because yeah. you know I don't have anything else to do. It's not like I'm already too busy or anything like that. Anyway, <laughs> so you said you played in a lot of punk and rock and roll bands and stuff. Like, who are some of your influences? Uh let's see. Uh, well, rock and roll, you know, I mean, well, for me, it, it always, always derived from, from the blues, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, uh, Robert Johnson, B.B. King, all those guys. That's what I grew up listening to. You know, I, I, my parents listened to like a lot of like 
moldy oldies is, is what they called it. And uh, <laughs> so, so that's, that's all I knew for a greater part of my life, you know? And then um, after I got older and, you know, cause I lived in like a very rural part of Montana, you know, like I, we, we lived either on uh, Fort Belknap, which is the reservation, um, or else a little town like three miles off the reservation called um, Harlem, Harlem, Montana. And that's smack dab in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, there, we didn't have any record stores. We didn't have any music shops, nothing like that, you know, and um <clears throat> We used to order all of our, um, like, you know, music in. I forget it was a Columbia house, I think is what it was called. And um, my mom would allow, uh, would let me have like a few choices, you know. And I remember I, one of the first albums that I got was like uh, from the the Clash, you know. I I thought that was a cool, cool name. So after that, dude, that, oh man. That, 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 that hit me like a whirlwind, you know? And then my brother also, he lived down here in Bozeman and he was a radio DJ. And so he would also bring back like singles, like boxes full of singles from all these like different bands and like a bunch of like local bands from around here in Bozeman. And um, there was this one band out of Rapid City, South Dakota that, I mean, changed my life. They're they're called uh, the Redmen, and uh, they're uh, uh, like a Native American like punk band. And um, yeah, so the Clash, the Redmen, um, of course, you know, like Sex Pistols, um, and then what else? Yeah, that's <laughs> all I can think of really right now. <laughs> and then you you just go into starting to play in those type of bands and write that kind of music or would it, what did it look like from there? Um, at, at that, you know, when I, up there, you know, you, you, um, what the heck happened? I, I, I got into, uh, nobody played that type of music up there, you know, at the, at the time. And I think when I got my first, uh, bass guitar, uh, I was still in high school and it was like one of those things where like my mom was like if you get you know this many a's or something like that you know you get good grades she'll get you uh, or she she said that she'd get me a uh, a bass guitar and i wanted to play bass uh because you know it's it's that old uh, ex- you know excuse like it because it only has four strings <laughs> <laughs> and um tech was it so yeah i, I got good grades and then uh, she got me this uh, silver tone uh, bass guitar. It was kind of like a bass pack from uh, Sam Goody, back when Sam Goody was still around. And uh, after I got home, um, shoot, I wasn't even home for like 10 minutes. And here I get a knock on the door because news travels fast up there, you know? <laughs> uh, you know? Uh, I wasn't even home like 10 minutes and all of a sudden somebody's knocking on my door and uh, like, hey, we heard that you play bass and you want to be in a band. I was like, uh, I don't know how to play bass. I just got it. Oh, that's good enough. Let's go. Right. And uh, <laughs> we need a bass player and you have yeah. one. 
therefore you, you are a bass player now yeah dude, that's that's how it was and so yeah we uh they yeah they they drove you know because at that time i was living in harlem and like i said that's only like three miles off the reservation so they they drove from uh a little little neighborhood in fort belknap called uh rodeo drive and that place is that place is wild for sure. You got so many dang res dogs up there that, man, they travel in packs, crazy stuff, cars all over the yards and all of that mess. Um, and so they, they came from Rodeo Drive over to my little trailer in Harlem and they asked me if I can play bass. And man, I was shaking. Let me tell you, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what the, you know, the names of the strings were, or the notes, you know, of the strings. I didn't even know nothing like that. Um, but yeah, I so said, I just, you know, rolled the dice, took a shot and then went and played with them and was in this, uh, native like punk band for, uh, a little bit and then played with them for a couple of years. And, um, what was it? I got with my, my wife, she and I met at a summer camp in North Dakota, but she's from Nebraska. And of course I'm from Montana. And after I uh, graduated high school, I moved down to uh, a rural town <laughs> in Nebraska. That's where she's from. And I joined another uh, punk band up there. But uh, it was kind of in a area where bands that were on tour would, like frequently travel. And it was kind mm -hmm. of like a dead spot. So we'd always get like bands from uh, like Seattle. Uh, yeah, a lot of bands from Seattle would cruise through because they would play in either Rapid City, South Dakota, and try to uh, make the little trek into like through to go to Denver. But uh, where I lived was this town called Shadron, Nebraska. And that's like a hour and a half south of uh, Rapid City. And so they would come through and play in that area. And um, yeah, we'd always play in just like the weirdest places. Like one of the venues that we'd play a lot was like this abandoned middle school. And uh, there's like, oh, gosh, who do we play with? There's, um, oh, goodness. There's a band called uh, The Greenery. I think they're from California. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't know, just a bunch of bands from, like, the West Coast would cruise through there. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be, like, just a completely different experience. Like, I, obviously, like, I'm the whitest dude on the planet. Uh, and like <laughs> I've only like drove through reservations and stuff. It's gotta be just like a completely different experience growing up in that environment, especially for a aspiring punk rocker. I would have to imagine. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was wild. Like, um, like, like I said, like we didn't have any record stores, you know, like any, uh, buddy that would come through with like a, like a new, like, you know, new to us album like we had that album would get like shared throughout your friends group you know mm -hmm. like oh this borrow it for this long and this person would borrow it for this long um so that's kind of how we like would listen to our uh music and then um like if when it came to like actual music gear it's basically anything that you know anybody like had or else whatever sam goody had <laughs> Over right <laughs> at, over you know down the road in uh haver you know which was like 45 miles uh west 
of where we were, you know, like anything that Sam Goody had. And, um, yeah, like if you broke a string, dude, you, you, you were out for however long, you know, sometimes it would be like a month or two, you know, either mm-hmm. you would learn how to play without that string or else you would just, you know, sit there and go crazy. But good thing you played bass made that a little less likely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was the good thing about that because I've uh, seen a couple of my friends and my my relatives uh, break strings on their guitars and just oh dude be down for the rest of the day like just be so upset for you know for days afterwards and like you know have to come to come to grips with that uh, that they broke a string. <laughs> dude, I I do relate to that because you know not quite the same way. Obviously I wouldn't be out for months, but I just remember so many times going to my buddy's house who kind of lived a little bit in the sticks, not like way in the sticks, but well, everybody knows. Well, not everybody. Lots of people who listen to the show know my good friend, Justin Porter. He's been on a couple episodes. Um, We would go to his house and his house was, you know, 15 minutes from my house when my house was, you know, 30 minutes from the closest guitar store. Yeah. And we spend all afternoon getting the drums set up and getting everything set up and getting ready to go start playing three songs in. I broke my low E and it's oh, just like, and I was of course. Yeah. And it's just the whole day is ruined. And especially, you know, we were playing punk too. So you got to have the low E I might be able to get yeah. by without a high E, but yeah. <laughs> not the low E. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And then, um, what the heck was it after, after playing like, you know, uh, punk stuff for a while, um, the heck was it? My, uh, my band broke up and, um, kind of went and lived off, uh, both me and my wife, uh, lived together and, uh, kind of crazy, kind of a crazy story on how I got into like blues and rock and roll. Um, we was living, you know, in this little trailer, you know, in the town that was living at in Shattern, Nebraska. And, uh, we'd been together for a couple of years, you know, still kind of in that, you know, super like Twitter pated state. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I was working at, um, this, uh, fast food joint called Taco John's. And, um, what the heck was I was, working the opening shift. So I was there like at five o'clock and I'd have to like prep food and all this and that. And, um, what the heck was it? My, my wife, she texted me just a little simple, like, I love you, you know? And, oh dude, my, my heart was all fluttery, you know, while I was working and I was, uh, not thinking about what I was doing and I was sharpening uh, a knife and I wound up like slicing my index finger on my fretting hand. And I almost Ooh. like, yeah, dude, I almost cut my finger off. Whoa. And yeah, it was wild. I won't not cut my finger off. But I cut it down to the bone. And um, yeah, I was I was a real stubborn cat then. You know, I didn't I didn't like doctors whatsoever. <laughs> and so uh, they, they sent me home and. I wound up using a wooden clothespin that I that I tore apart, and I used that as a splint, and I wrapped like cotton gauze and some tape over it. Oh man! And, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's how I, that's how I uh, I took care of myself. But I couldn't play guitar because, you know, I couldn't bend that finger. And anytime I would bend any of my fingers, like that one would want to bend and it would hurt. And I was thinking like, oh, man, like, what can I do? Like, I'm going stir crazy because I can't work and I can't play guitar, you know, and I was uh, listening to some uh, some of those old blues tunes. And I think I was listening to Muddy Waters and I heard that slide, you know, and um, I was like, how, how is he doing that? And so I looked it up and come to find out, you know, he was using a slide and um, the music shop that we would there was like a small music shop in that town we was living in. It was so small that it was uh, it was a music slash muzzle loader slash archery shop. Okay, just whatever <laughs> this person was interested in, basically. Yeah. yeah, it was like a three in one shop, you know. And um, he had a he had a slide like a little silver like Dunlop slide. And so I got one of those and yeah, I was able to slide it on my pinky and not move any of my other fingers around and still be able to play a little bit to make, you know, some noise. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into really kind of got into blues playing and slide is because I almost chopped my finger off. I mean, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's like just necessity makes you learn yeah. a new skill. <laughs> it's like, I'm going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that finger uh, healed up okay i'm assuming uh yeah it still uh aches whenever it gets cold up here but you know i mean it helps me predict the weather anyway that and my oh. knees <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never understood that when i was younger i'd hear like oh oh the weather's gonna change I'm like why my elbow's flaring up like what are you talking about old man you going crazy now i'm like man my elbow's flaring up it must be getting colder like uh, the the old men were right. They were right. Yeah, they were. They were, man. <laughs> they pretty much always are in in my experience so far. It's like, oh, yeah, there's another thing my dad was right about. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> man, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So, playing slide is not something that I am good at at all. I'm I'm really terrible at it do you have any tips for somebody like me um shoot practice <laughs> <laughs> got your finger <laughs> there you go get good yeah um I, what works best for me is using my you know just putting on my pinky i've seen other people like put it on different uh fingers you know and try not to choke the neck i guess and don't push down too hard you don't have to push down whatsoever um and also uh use like thicker gauge strings is what i found that works the best for me mm-hmm. um so yeah <laughs> and uh try not to cut your finger off okay <laughs> all right i'll do all of those things there you go. how heavy how heavy do you go in in and what tuning do you play in uh mostly i play in like open d i i i switch between uh open d and open g uh and i play like 13s okay uh, yeah um lately i've been playing a lot in open g just because like you know the the old blues guys that's what they played in and you just have the, just that certain like tone and vibe about it you know yeah so definitely what yeah. kind of guitars are you playing um 
I, I, I switch between between a lot. Uh, my my main guitar is a D'Angelico EXDC that I picked up like six years ago and like heavily modified. Uh, recently, I put in some bare knuckle. Um, was it Pig Nineties? It's basically mm-hmm. like a War Pig version of like their humbucker, but in like a P ninety version. And um, I installed like an arcade button kill switch in it kind of like a bucket head type of vibe but i had there's a guy that used to run like this old like video like a vintage video game shop here in town and um i asked him if he knew anybody with like arcade consoles or anything like that and he's like oh yeah i I got a buddy that repairs arcade consoles and he ripped this uh uh arcade button out of like an old street fighter console and uh sold me that for like five bucks and that's what i put in my guitar and it's a semi-hollow so i had enough uh area and to to fit it in there and that's what i use as a kill switch is like an old arcade button (laughs) very cool i love it yeah and um recently i uh got my old uh, 1952 gibson es125 back Ooh, yeah dude that thing is amazing. I mean, the oh. pickup on that thing for being like 68 years old, you know, it's about as old as my mom. <laughs> it sounds great. You know, it sounds absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. What heck was it? I, I, I bought it probably like four or five years ago. And I was using that uh, a good, good while. And then there just came a time where I was just... I don't know, man. I wasn't thinking clearly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I sold it, you know, I, I, I sold it to a, to a buddy of mine here in town. And, uh, yeah, ever since I sold it, dude, I was, oh man, I was so regretful, you know? And then probably like, goodness gracious, probably like three or four days ago, he hits me up on the old face space and, um, asked if I wanted it back, you know? And I was like, yeah, dude. So he brought it back. And yeah, so now that's my that's my graveyard guitar. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. be buried with that boy. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take that with me to the spirit world for dang sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I I know that feeling. I have my grandpa's 55 uh, Les Ooh. Paul Jr. And yeah, that's oh. that's my number one. I have oh. a lot. A lot of really nice guitars. I'm very, very fortunate in that. But if I had to just keep one, that's the one for oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Dude, that's a great guitar, man. Those juniors are amazing, dude. I didn't really understand like when he first showed it to me when I was a kid. I was I I knew yeah. that it was cool because it was an old Gibson, but I didn't really like n- fully get it when I was like, you know, 15 or whatever. And then... Yeah. A couple years later, I got became a real gear nerd, and I really understood what it was, and and <laughs> and so I, I, you know, the tuners on it were the original tuners, and the buttons were were all falling off, and oh yeah, yeah, it needed a little bit of work uh, to be, oh, cool. you know, playing correctly, and so I was like, hey, and he didn't know, you know, he was primarily a piano player; he could play guitar, but he mostly played piano. And oh I was like, hey, I'll take this up to this shop and get this done for you and bring it back. Then it'll at least be, play like it's supposed to. And you'll maybe play more often, you know, type of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I did. I took it up to the shop. And, you know, it was fun for me going to the guitar store. Like, this is just a treat. Just an excuse to go to Portland and go to guitar stores. Um, so I took it up there, got it all dialed in for him and brought it back. And, and I was like, yeah, here you go. It's, it's ready to go. And he like played it a little bit. And he's like, why don't you just hold on to it? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh i'm like are you are you sure he's like well you actually play guitar i i don't really play guitar like it's just gonna sit in my closet i'm oh, like man. i'm like okay and i take it home and i called my dad this was my wife's not my wife my mom's da- uh, dad is who it was so um, yeah yeah I, I, but i called my dad and i was like grandpa carl just gave me the his junior and he, my dad also plays guitar. He's like, ah, I got passed over. <laughs> <laughs> you was his favorite. <laughs> yeah. He, he's always, my dad's a, my dad likes to bring it up once in a while. He's like, I got passed over. I'm like, you don't even play electric. I have to get like pulling teeth to get you to play electric guitar. Anyway, he's, he's got this other nice Gibson that he keeps in the closet and he, plays his acoustic guitars all the time so <laughs> that's crazy man <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah it was it's a it's a special one for me I, I have all these weird memories of like i remember like for christmas like going over there and him and i sitting down like trying to figure out this afi song <laughs> oh I'm, yeah i'm, I'm like it's cool that my grandpa's sitting here listening to afi with me while trying to figure this song out like dude that's wild man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he was a good guy he was a yeah, real found special out, dude uh, that's cool yeah i just found out probably like uh probably three or four months ago that my grandpa actually played played music see my grandpa he was a trapper mm-hmm. uh that's all i knew him as like he would uh you know trap and like tan like tan hides and uh make like drums and uh sell you know hides and stuff like that you know i i didn't know him as a musician until what was i was um looking through some of our family photos and i see my grandpa like holding uh an acoustic and my jaw just dropped and i went and talked to my mom and i was like what did you papa was a was was a was a musician she's like oh yeah he used to um they used to live in this little little uh town on in fort belknap called hayes and he's like oh yeah um they used to like play like house parties all the time i guess people would like you know be like by 12 o'clock at night and people would come over and like knock on the door and be like hey we're having a get together at you know this other house you know down the street and then they would just gather like all the local musicians and just like have like a huge just like jam like slash house party like back in like the 60s and 70s whoa yeah it was wild and then um i came across another picture of my grandma holding like a resonator guitar and come to find out that was also my grandpa's and yeah i had no up until probably like a couple of months ago i had no prior knowledge of you know anybody really in my family being a musician so that was really cool that was was a bit of new information for me (laughs) that's amazing you know it does it's not a hundred percent this way obviously i know people who have no musicians in their family that are tremendous musicians themselves, but it does yeah. seem to be a trait mostly. Like it seems like most people I know, if they are super into music, 
then somebody in their family also was a musician. And for me, yeah. it's like my whole family, like my dad played guitar. My mom sort of played guitar. She played piano. You know, my grandpa played piano and guitar. My other grandpa played harmonica, like, it, you know, and even yeah. even the ones that didn't play were music lovers, you know. So it was like, this is just always a thing for me. It, it's it's kind of weird that I'm the only one that like really tried to make a living in the music world. <laughs> it's actually surprising. Yeah. yeah that's the same here, man. You know, I mean, like either, you know, playing shows or making weird amps and instruments or pedals, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like didn't really have anybody that like really played in my family, but like you said, like, you know, my, my mom was like a huge music lover. You know, like she listened to all these like different oldies stuff. And so, yeah, so I, I grew an appreciation of music through through her for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And, and, you know, I, I think I talked about this on one episode I recently recorded, but like I want to impart that in my kids, but I don't yeah. want to be the equivalent of the pushy football dad. Be like, you, yeah. need, to, you, you need to play a Telecaster. <laughs> like you got to come on. Like. It's what I want to do, but I don't yeah. actually want to do that to them if they're not interested in it, you know? Yeah, that's how, that's how uh, how my old man was. He was the pushy football dad, and man, I hated sports. I mean, I think, honestly, I credit him for how much I love music because I hated sports that much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I can relate. I didn't hate sports, but it was never my thing. You know, I I liked other things that were sport related. Like I liked skateboarding, and I like you know I liked. It's not that I didn't like physical activity. I was just like, yeah. I don't want to play football. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like playing football with my friends and horsing around. But like our football team was so terrible that me and my friends played the varsity team like just outside of you know. <laughs> Just like, like on the football field, but just like on a random Saturday or something, and we like we we beat them really bad, and uh, yeah. it was just like, why do we want to be on that team? <laughs> yeah. That's how it was for us too. Like literally, like I think what the heck was it? They they would go seasons without any any wins whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> for at my school. So yeah, I was also into skateboarding as well. And that kind of attributed to uh, my builds, you know, because like I've been I've been a tinkerer ever since I was a kid, you mm -hmm. know, like I remember I would go visit uh, one of my grandmas in Hayes and um, she'd have like this old like bucket, you know, just like a plastic bucket. And it was filled with all of these toys, you know, and they were they were they're broken toys. And so. <laughs> What I would do is I would like, you know, like this toy over here, like a He-Man figure, you know, would have like, you know, be missing an arm. But this guy over here from some other, you know, series of, you know, cartoon or whatever had had an arm. And I like this guy more. I would put together, you know, like basically pop off the legs and arms of this guy and put them on this one and create like a Frankenstein action <laughs> figure. <laughs> like I was doing that when I was a kid and then. You know, as time got older, you know, I would do that with other things that I was, you know, into or passionate about. And that's what I was doing with like uh, skateboarding. And then eventually as I got into uh, music, 
you know, I started Frankensteining guitars together too. <laughs> so I kind of had like a little background of tinkering and putting things together before starting, you know, this minor glitch thing. I, when you were talking about that, I always was picturing was Sid from Toy Story, just like dude. assembling <laughs> Frankenstein yeah. toys. Yeah, dude. But, you know, and then, uh, but yeah, they was broken in the first place. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not as evil as that kid, but come to find out what she was doing is whenever she would like go to like the, 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 uh, the dumps or like the landfill there, mm-hmm. she would go like find like these toys and pick them up and wash them off and throw them in the bucket. So I was playing with like these, these dumpster toys that <laughs> threw away, you know, and I, I would, I would pick them up and figure out how to utilize other parts to create, you know, my own little unique Frankenstein toys. <laughs> that does kind of make sense, you know, tying back to the whole reason we were talking in the first place with, with your yeah, uh, repurposed ammo can guitar amp, you know, like yeah. th- the whole thing kind of becomes clearer when you when you look back at your your childhood like for me like some of my biggest memories are using like a talk boy and like making quote-unquote radio shows and now here what i'm doing what now (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome dude i've always wanted a talk boy man i should probably look into getting one now now that i can probably afford one (laughs) yeah yeah well maybe not they're probably like probably paying the nostalgia tax on them now they're probably like a hundred bucks yeah. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, growing up, you know, um, being like Native American, like you learn, you know, about like, you know, what your ancestors did too. Mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you know, my ancestors, you know, they were plains people, you know, so they hunted buffalo. And whenever they would kill a buffalo, they would utilize basically like every piece. You know what I mean? Like nothing would go to waste. You know, they would, you know, dry the meat, you know, use the hides for like blankets and clothing and stuff like that. And then use the bones for uh, for tools or, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And so, you know, growing up, you know, I, I I look back at that, you know, when I'm whenever I'm building something. That's why I never throw throw anything away. If you look at my uh, my, my storage, it's full of just, oh, dude, anything and everything. You know, and I don't throw it away because I, I, I try to figure out how to utilize it some way or another. But, yeah, that whole core of all of that came from, you know, like my ancestors and stuff like that. And trying to figure out a new way how to utilize like those teachings and that like belief system, I guess. <laughs> what tribe was that? Uh, uh, Lakota. OK. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm Lakota. Cheyenne River, uh, Lakota. They're. I'm enrolled. I uh, see this is this is the weird thing about, you know, like being being native, like you can grow up on like one re- reservation, but you can be like uh, a federally recognized tribal member from a different reservation. Oh, really? Um, yeah, dude, it's wild, dude. Like, um, see, I'm enrolled with the Cheyenne River tribe uh, based out of uh, Eagle Butte, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where, you know, that's where all my like enrollment paperwork and stuff like that. So if I ever have to go and renew my, my tribal membership, I got to cruise all the way down to middle of nowhere, South Dakota. But we lived in uh, South Dakota until probably like I was like three, you know, in Eagle Butte, South Dakota. And we moved up to Fort Belknap because that's where my 
my mom's family's from. And uh, see, my mom, she's uh, Assiniboine, also known as, uh, that's kind of like a French word, but also known as Nakota. So I'm Lakota and I'm Nakota. And um, back in the day, like they were like a part of like the affiliated uh, tribe, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that and I try to incorporate that type of, uh, you know, my, my cultural background into some of my builds too. Because uh, did you, uh, what the heck was it? My, my, the PCBs that go into those ammo cans, did you check those out at all? I didn't see it, no. Oh, dude. Yeah, this I'm going to pull the, it up right now. Bro, okay. So my the PCBs that go into each one of my 50 cal ammo cans, uh, I had them die cut into the shape of Montana. Oh, and dude. Yeah. And also there are seven reservations within our state, and there happen to be seven components that make – my, on the on the PCB that make my uh, amps uh, work, and so uh, what I did was I had uh, the guy who designed the layout for my PCB uh, put the locations of the components uh, in the locations of the reservations on our state map. I found it so cool. Yeah, kind of have like a cultural, like historical background slash like lesson slash like easter egg because if anybody ever i mean if anybody ever takes apart one of my amps and pulls out the pcb they're gonna find like the 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 um, reservations on the back of the pcb and and i kind of like that you know just like a little easter egg type of thing for for a future tinkerer slash curiosity or curious musician you know yeah i mean when I get a pedal 99% of the time, like before I even plug it in, I'm opening it up and looking inside just cause I'm a yeah, big dork yeah. like that. So <laughs> I appreciate those type of things. I really yeah. do. I think it's yeah, even cooler so that, that you're, it's such a personal thing for you. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a, that's a real piece of, it's a, it's a piece of your history really that you're putting into your work. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Just because, uh, you know, there's not too many like Native American, like, you know, gear builders out there. I think out of, you know, this whole journey that I've been on, I've only been able to find uh, one other guy. And he runs a company called Native Audio and he builds uh, just strictly pedals, but they're amazing, you know? Yeah, and I've met him. He's the only other one I know of as well. <laughs> right, dude? Right, mm-hmm. man? So yeah, that's pretty wild. And come to find out, he grew up uh, probably like three or four miles west of where I grew up. So we're from like the same area, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was wild because like until I found you know Mike and Native Audio, you know, I was just like, man, am, am I the only one here, dude? You know, like the last unicorn type of thing. You know? <laughs> you know like am i i can't be you know and then i accidentally came across mike on instagram and like reached out and come to find out he's from uh browning which is um you know that's the blackfeet reservation and yeah that's located on my on my pcb as well and um but yeah i think he's based out of like dayton or something like ohio somewhere over there now yeah i think so i need to i need to get him on i I have a lot to talk about with him because he's had a wild like year and a half, two years. He got in a bad accident. And- oh, 
Dude, I almost I'm I'm started crying, man. I thought homie was done for. You know, I saw the picture and, man, I was reaching out, dude. Oh, man, I'm, I'm glad that he was able to come out of that. You know what I mean? It came out strong, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really, you know, as terrible as that was, it was cool to see, you know, the gear community, like, at least on a, a small level, like, come together to try to help him. I know, like, mutual friends of the of this podcast, the Flippin' Flippers podcast, they hold a pancake breakfast at Nam, and they the year they did it when Mike was in his wreck, they got uh, every, the, all the proceeds were going to help you know pay for that. Uh, Dude, that's awesome. it's I'm sure it didn't cover all of it because you know that's a whole nother topic. But yeah, that's a whole different ballpark, brother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it's I, that's the best thing about like this gear community that I've seen is people really do like rally around and, and try to help out each other when, when things like that happen. And I think that's like the coolest thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. But yeah, you know, also by like incorporating, you know, like my cultural background in my builds, you know, as much as I can, you know, I hope to like inspire like other people, you know, like, um, you know, like that grew up in like the situation in which I grew up in, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, you know, on like reservations, like there's very like the job market is not that great. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And by uh, inspiring like others to hopefully like, you know, work for themselves and think for themselves, you know, maybe help like their local economy and stuff like that, too, you know, and help other people, you know, find their their niche you know or help find their passion you know by seeing like one of like my builds like putting things together that you wouldn't really think of you know or creating something out of like junk and you know creating like a like a piece of art you know and hopefully by doing that you know i i i hope to like inspire others to kind of do the same i guess 100 <laughs> percent. i think that's awesome yeah well We've reached uh, almost the end of the podcast, and I still have a couple classic questions I got to ask you. But first, this is your chance to uh, put up a billboard, so to speak. If you want to, you know, tell a couple thousand people something, this is the time to do it. So where they can find you or if you just got something you want to get off your chest, whatever it is, this is your time to shine. Ah, dude. You're uh, okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, for all those people listening out there, man, you guys are capable of anything that you put your mind to, hands down. If, if my old country butt can figure out how to create amps and pedals, man, you you can do something too, you know? Um, my name is uh, Mario Miner Jr., and I'm a Lakota, and I run uh, Minor Glitch Electronics. You can find me on uh, Instagram or Facebook, you know, I... I'm um, just a little little builder out of uh, Bozeman, Montana. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Man, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, here we go. There's the last couple questions. Are you ready? All right, what you got? Number one, what's your favorite boss pedal? Oh, my favorite boss pedal. Um, Probably the tuner. <laughs> <laughs> solid pull hey it's a great pedal it is it, I, I, that's it's been like uh, the the longest uh, the pedal that i've had the longest um yeah i don't really dink around with boss pedals too much so probably just the tuner <laughs> the, the, the tu2 or whatever 
That works for me. It's a classic for a reason. <laughs> All right. Here's the one that uh, it's a little rough. It's a little bit okay. uh, controversial. It's a, so, you know, yeah, just answer it however you, you see fit. All right. What's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, my Lanta. My dude. Uh, let's see. My, mine is kind of a, whew, a you know, you're, you're, you're digging into the, the, the big barrel of secrets here, my man. <laughs> uh, for, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's an odd, I guess it's an odd uh, put together. It's a, a pepperoni, spinach, and mushroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I know this is going to be cringy. Pineapple, bro. Oh, geez. Yeah, you almost, you almost had it. I almost slid by, right, dude? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then you mix that with all the other stuff, dude. People are going to think I'm a psychopath, man. <laughs> I, I say this all the time, but at least according to what I can see in the Facebook group around this podcast, which if you're listening and you happen to be on Facebook, it's the only good place on Facebook. So you can uh, join if you want. Uh, it's just called the Tone Mob. It's in there. But it, at least according to what I can see, it's really about 50-50. Like, people yeah. are like, yeah, people seem to be like, there's a lot of pineapple lovers out there. I'm not one of them. And it's just because yeah. I don't like pineapple in, it, like, whether it's on pizza or not. I just don't like it. So, you know, <laughs> that's just that's just yeah. me. Uh, I feel like, though, there are a lot of people who like pineapple but don't like it on pizza. And I, I don't really fully understand that you know i don't i don't quite get that but whatever that's fine i'm i'm, I'm just like the human garbage human garbage disposal though hands down like if something falls on the ground i'll pick it up and eat it real oh, quick oh yeah yeah Thinking about it straight up uh-huh. my wife caught, talks about that all the time <laughs> criticizes <laughs> me all the time yeah i will do the same so don't don't let her shame you about that i'm all I'm, right all right my dude if my there's guy. no dirt stuck to it, it's going in my mouth. Like that's all there, there you is. Go. It. There you go. And, and if there is, just just blow it off. Easy enough. That's, that's right. Exactly. It'll be fine. I mean, you know, that said, this was, you know, pre-COVID. So like I'm not <laughs> doing that right now. <laughs> I, I still roll the dice from time to time. I'm a gambling man, you see. <laughs> in my own home, I I will. But not anywhere else. Not anywhere else. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Right on, yep. man. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we're going to slide over and do a little Patreon action now, folks. But uh, thank you for listening. And, uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Man, this has been amazing, man. This is, a, this is a good first experience. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, everybody. For Mario, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I had a ton of fun talking to Mario. We have... A lot in common, as it turns out, and it was really, really an enjoyable experience. So if you need more and you want to hear those, uh, again, alleged stories that uh, may or may not have happened, you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob and check those out, you know, if they happened, right? still a mystery so you go to patreon.com slash tone mob for five bucks a month you too can get extra episodes beamed to your ears every month we're getting close to 100 extra episodes in the back catalog over there so there is a ton of extra content if that is what you so desire all right thank you so much please share this with a friend if you really enjoyed it please share any episode 
that you have particularly enjoyed with anyone who you think could get something out of it. Every download counts and every download puts a couple pennies in my pocket. Actually, no fractions of a penny, but you get it anyway. So every download counts. So thank you so much, people. You guys rule. Talk to you next week. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.